Um, I'm going to try my best, church, to, uh, to uh, make this a short sermon. I know I've said that before, but I actually mean it this time. Um, I want our primary focus to be on what happens after the service today, or after the sermon today. You know, I want to celebrate the fact that the grace of God, grace of God has led two people uh, to join us, to join Beamish United Methodist Church uh, through a profession of faith, through, through holy baptism, and I think that's just, just that, that should be the focus of our services when we have these opportunities to do so. You know, these decisions, which are initiated by God himself, by the way, that's how, that's how grace works. You know, these decisions that we make, am I going to fight, am I, am, I, am I going to go the way of Christ, am I going to go the way of Jesus, or am I going to go, you know, through my own self-will and keep doing, keep doing my thing? <clears throat> these decisions that we make are all about following Jesus. Are we going to follow Jesus? And these, these folks that are going to join us today, they decided to do that, again, through God's grace. And only through God's grace are they able to make these decisions. We're just saying, I'm so happy for them. They're going to be dedicating themselves to a life of discipleship. And I think that's pretty awesome. I think that's something, again, to celebrate. You know, throughout the Gospels, throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, multiple occasion after, after occasion after occasion, you know, Jesus uses two words time and time and time and time again. Jesus uses two words to invite people, to invite his disciples, to invite people in general into that life with him. And it's just two simple words. It's the same two words that he uses for us today. Follow me. Follow me. And Christ says that over and over and over in the Gospels. And people follow him. Let me give you just a couple examples. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. He said to them, Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 9, 9, as Jesus passed from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And Matthew rose, and he followed him. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. John chapter 1, verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. Two simple words, two simple words. And that's just, a, that's just a sprinkling of the number of times you see this phrase in the gospel. But two simple words that carry so much meaning. Both in the lives of the people that we run into in the Bible and in our lives today in 2022. We're going to see another one of those examples in today's scripture. Jesus once again calls one of his followers to follow him. And one of his disciples to follow him. Even in the midst, or even in confronted with certain death. How many of us are willing to do that today? I hear a lot of people say that they would, they would kill for the faith. They would kill for, to, to, for, to protect Christianity. How many of us are willing to die for the faith? But in this particular instance, Christ is calling somebody to follow him. And it's a beautiful moment that we're going to see. It's a beautiful moment of, of restoration. It's a beautiful moment of reconciliation between Jesus and between this other person who, although this other person was a wonderful disciple in all regards, in all aspects, he had a moment of weakness. He had a great moment of weakness, and all of us are familiar with that moment of weakness, and he denied Jesus. 
Let's take a look at that scripture. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. Starting in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and they will lead you to where you do not want to go. That's <clears throat> the word of God for the people of God. So, so John, the author of this gospel, basically concludes his gospel with this scene that we see between Jesus and Peter. If you were here for our Holy Thursday service, and if you weren't, shame on you. We'll see you next year. But if you were here for our Holy Thursday service, you'll, you'll remember that, that, that several of our, myself and Sandy and, and Dee and Paulette and several, Kevin, I think, uh, got up here and we basically led you guys through the story of Jesus' last night with the disciples. We talked about, we, we, we led you through, you know, Jesus instituting the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper, communion. We led you through Judas selling Jesus out, basically. And we led you to Jesus. We led you through the story of Jesus' arrest. And of course, right there at the very end, we led you to that part about Peter. We know that Peter, during this scene at the Last Supper, basically, you know, actually stood up at one point and said, Jesus, you know, I would go to jail for you. I would die for you. And just a few hours later, after Christ is arrested, Jesus, or Peter denies Jesus three times. Jesus told him he was going to do that, by the way. You know, before, before morning, before the next day, you're going to deny that you know me three times. And as we know, that's exactly what happened. So we get to our scene today, you know, and, and Jesus has returned. And uh, you can imagine what might be going through Peter's mind. You can imagine what might be going through Peter's heart at this, at this time. I would, I would imagine Peter's probably carrying a lot of shame probably carrying a lot, a lot of guilt, a lot, probably carrying a lot of, uh, you know, a feeling of, of, of unworthiness, those types of things. So like I said, what, what we read about here as Peter is experiencing these things, no doubt, is this beautiful story of reconciliation, this beautiful story of restoration, Peter and Christ are once again reconciled, where Christ recon, or restores Peter um, to, to, to the status, basically, of, of, of a disciple, of an apostle. Interestingly enough, do y'all think that it's a mistake that Peter denied Christ three times, and, that when, and then when they meet here on this scene, that Christ asks him three times if he loves him? I don't think it's a mistake either. I think that's pretty cool. I think that's pretty neat. And he draws, Christ draws that out of him. Yes, Lord, I love you. You know, Christ doesn't condemn Peter in this story. He doesn't condemn him. He doesn't disown him. As a matter of fact, he goes above and beyond 
And he calls Peter to be one of his greatest disciples. One of the greatest disciples that we will read about in the New Testament. He calls him to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. He calls him to be a primary representative. representative. This guy who had just denied, not too long ago, denying that he even knew Jesus, is now being restored by Jesus to ultimate authority, basically, as a disciple and as a leader church. Feed my lambs, he says. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Lead my people. That's an incredible turn of, turn of events, I think, folks. And that shows us the heart of who Christ is. It's an incredible mandate for somebody who not long beforehand had cowered down in the face of just a little bit of adversity, in the face of just a little bit, a little bit of, a little bit of worry, a little bit of concern. You know, do we really, just looking at those verses, knowing this background, knowing these two stories, do we really understand the full impact of what's going on here? Do we really appreciate and understand what Jesus did here in this moment of reconciliation, in this moment of restoration? Let me ask you that in another way. How many of us, how many of us would entrust our futures? How many of us would entrust our namesakes? How many of us would trust sustaining the future of, of what we leave behind, our earthly kingdoms, if you will, to a person who had turned their back on us in life? Probably not a lot of us, right? But that's what Christ does here. And I think that's not only cool, I think that's pretty amazing. I think that's pretty revealing of who Jesus is, also as we know who God is, that he restored Peter through all this. He called Peter in this moment, just as he calls me, just as he calls Bill, Kevin, Sandy, Charles, every single person in this room. Jesus calls Peter into ministry, just like he calls each and every one of us. You may not be called to be a pastor. You may not be called to be an evangelist. You may not be called to be a teacher. You may not be called to be a church official in any way, shape, or form. But you do have a calling, church. Every single person in this room if you claim Christ as Savior, if you claim Christ as Lord, you do have a calling. And at the very foundation of that, at the very base of that, we are called, at the bare minimum, we are called for what? To be and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. I have talked to you guys about this from day one. This is the mandate that we have. This is the calling that each and every one of us as people who call themselves Christians. If we carry that moniker, this is our calling. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to stand up here like I do. But you have that call to be a disciple and to make disciples. As a matter of fact, you guys are part of what is called, you guys are priests. You guys are part of what is oftentimes referred to as the priesthood of all believers. Have you ever heard that expression before? That is a standard Protestant doctrine. Methodist, Baptist, non-denominational, across the board. We are part of what is called the priesthood of all believers, which basically means we have not only the mandate, but we have the authority to tell the world about Jesus Christ, to live like Jesus Christ, to spread that message in our daily lives throughout the world, in our homes, in our work lives, etc., etc., etc. 1 Peter chapter 2 Verse 9 
says this, and this is where we get this doctrine from. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. There it is right there. That's your marching orders, if you will. That's also your new moniker. You're part of the priesthood of all believers to tell other people about the kingdom of God, tell other people about Jesus. You know, John, when we, when we read this story um, here in John's gospel, Jesus mentions this right here, right here at the end. <clears throat> he says, you know, the last, second, second part of the last verse, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and they will lead you to go where you do not want to go. Does anybody know what that means? Anyway, any chance? Just about raise of hands. John indicates in the subsequent verses that we did not read today. John indicates that Jesus, in this particular instance, when he talks about when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and somebody will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. In the subsequent verses, John indicates that Jesus was giving prophecy that he was foretelling of Peter's death. Tradition tells us that Peter was crucified, ultimately, for his faith. Not only that, tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down because he said he was not worthy to die in the same manner that Jesus Christ died. So John, once again, indicates in this, in this uh, just following these scriptures, that that was what Jesus was doing. He was foretelling of Peter's, Peter's uh, ultimate death. We don't know if Peter knew that or not. The Bible doesn't tell us that or not. But nonetheless, the Bible does tell us that, yeah, that's what Christ was doing. So whether he knew that or not, one way or the other, Christ followed it up with those two words, follow me. Follow me. And Peter followed him. Again, we don't know if, Christ, if he knew that Christ was foretelling of his death in that moment or not, but he followed him. And as we do know, he followed them all the way until the point of death. And we know that Peter turned out to be a wonderful apostle. Peter turned out to be a wonderful leader of the early church. We know that Peter did miraculous things, and we know that his preaching literally brought thousands of people, and that God used his preaching to literally bring thousands of people into the, into the family of God. We all have that same calling. We may not be bringing thousands of people into the family of God, but we all have that same calling to follow Jesus. Every single person in here to tell the story of Jesus, to witness for his kingdom, to mimic his character by the grace of God that's available to every one of us. Y'all remember what I told you one time? Because this, this is important. Um, Y'all remember what I told you one time was my favorite definition what it, of what a disciple is, by any chance? Probably not. I don't expect that's. I don't expect you to actually remember that. Um, my favorite definition of what it means to be a disciple is this: um, a disciple is someone who has decided the most important thing in his or her life is to be and do what Jesus said to be and do. I'm going to repeat that to you. A disciple is a person who has decided the most important thing in his or her life is to be and do what Jesus said to be 
and do. Folks, that is the calling that we have. Every single one of us have that calling to not only be Christians, but to be disciples. Now, we just went through the book of Galatians on Wednesday night, and that's a beautiful book. That's a beautiful book on the idea of grace. That's a beautiful book on the idea of the fact that our, 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 our actions don't save us. We can't do enough good to save ourselves, that type of thing. Our works do not save us, that we are saved, that we are brought. Once again, we talked about reconciliation with Christ and Peter, that we are brought into that reconciled relationship with God, not by our works, but by simple faith in what Christ has done for us. That is our initiation into God's kingdom. That is our initiation into the presence of God, into a right relationship with God. Unfortunately, a lot of us want to stop right there. Even though we know that God wants more of us. Clearly God wants more of us. Based that simply on the words of Jesus Christ himself. But a lot of us want to stop there. We don't want to talk about being disciples. Because it's pretty easy to be a Christian, right? Pretty easy to say, I believe in Jesus. We start calling ourselves disciples. We are up in that game tremendously. We start calling ourselves disciples, it means that we are learners. It means that we are imitators. It means that we are mimics of Jesus Christ. It means we look to the character of Jesus to form our thoughts, our words, our actions, the way that we relate to people, the way that we operate in our world today. That's the calling that we have. And we do that not to earn our salvation. We've already got that, folks simple faith in what Christ has done for us on the cross and through the resurrection. We've already got our salvation. We are led into discipleship because of that. Because of the realization of what Christ has done for us. It should draw us in that direction. It should pull us towards that love for God because of the love that God and Christ clearly has for me. I want to be a disciple of Christ. I want to be an obedient follower of Jesus. Not because I might get in trouble, not because I don't want God mad at me, but because I love Christ. It is because I love you that I want to be obedient to you, and I want to understand, and I want to live out what it means to be and to live as an obedient disciple of Jesus Christ. Folks, that is our calling, just as it was Peter's calling. Have you answered that call, and are we following Jesus today? And y'all know, at the last five minutes that I just preached, I have preached every word of that to you before. <clears throat> because I think we all fall short on that one. And I think that if we could ever just simply learn that our calling is to truly be disciples, I think that we would turn this world upside down. And I'm going to keep on preaching that, and I'm going to keep on and keep on till you're sick of hearing it. Because I believe that with all my heart. I believe that's a message. I don't say this very often, but I believe that's a message that God has just uniquely placed on me uh, to give throughout my lifetime, to be disciples. 